Hello, and welcome back to yet another episode, possibly that may never see the light of day, <laughs> of stuff Ben and Mike like. That's I, the best type of episode. I'm Ben. I'm Mike. And uh, yeah, we like stuff. As per the name of the podcast. So, um, it's been a while, possibly a long while, depending on when this is uploaded. It may in fact be just years after the fact. I mean, seeing as episodes four and five have never been uploaded. But they might have been by the time people hear this. So, basically, it's probably been at least a year. We could always do, like, a Final Fantasy thing, where it's just, like, we suddenly upload episode seven. It's like, (laughs) hang on, wait, I thought we were on, like, three. What happened to the middle ones? It's like, ah, yes. Those are only released in Japan. Yeah, this is the North American version of the podcast. (laughs) Where our true fan base is. We have a lot of Japanese fans. Um, We could do that. As it is... um, we're back, better than ever. Yeah, uh, got some stuff to talk about. We we do. We've got to. Uh, we've got a number of topics this week, including this week. This week, <laughs> it's going to be a long podcast. <laughs> Slash, maybe it's going to be a weekly podcast now. I mean, that's what I was laughing at. Yeah. I'd be down with that. Would you be down with that? I'd be down in London for that. Shit. Um. So we're going to do our usual thing. We're going to talk about some some stuff we've been doing recently. Probably going to end up talking like, quite a lot about Fire Emblem Three Houses, because we both like that game, and both probably been playing a lot of that game. We've also discussed it quite a lot already, so we may just run out of stuff to say on that. Impossible. And we're going to have a special discussion topic of... <laughs> Which can... we've hinted at on yeah. several previous podcasts, I believe. Of Can the main character in a show be best guy? It's... That might of... not necessarily mean anything to you, but <laughs> we will explain. It will make sense. It's an issue very close to our hearts. One of the most contentious questions on the internet at large, I'm sure. It's definitely one of the most contentious questions between us. Yeah. So, uh, shall we fly straight into it? What, or do we, should we talk about some, some shows on recent... Some recent shenanigans. Yeah, can do. Show shenanigans. <laughs> so, let's talk about... What I believe is Crunchyroll's first anime that they've produced, which is Doctor Stone, as far as I'm aware. So, I mean, I know they've got their their like name in the beginning of it, but I wasn't aware they'd actually produced it. I assume they must have been slightly more involved with it yeah. than typically. But yeah, I don't know what the exact arrangement is. Well, I think I read about it a long time ago, but that was you know time and memory and all that kind of jazz. But yeah, I think they're producing it. I don't know whether like. Uh, on their own or what, but I think they've well, financed not, it. They're not animating it. Not animating it, no. It's TMS and 8pan, I think. Yeah. Who I'm... did Yoa Mushy Pedal. Oh, I do love Yoa Mushy Pedal. Yeah, no, they're, they're definitely not creating the show, and it's still very much like a Japanese production in the sense of, like, you know, your voice actors and your openings and your endings yes. and all, all this So let's jazz. talk about it. It's a... Um... Uh, it's one of the few shows I'm actually watching at the moment. Um, it's it's pretty good. It's kind of stupid, but sort of stupid in a kind of enticing sort of way. Do you want to hit us with a synopsis, Ben? So, um, basically what happens is that the entire world gets turned to stone for some reason. Mm. Um, all, all humans get turned into stone. Humans and sparrows. And, and some animals. And some animals all get turned to stone by something. And then 3,700 years later, 
uh, heroes awaken, or like a couple of them do. The main character is this science, basically super scientist whiz kid teenager. He has hair that looks like a leek. <laughs> yeah. And he just vows that he's going to rebuild the world with science. Mm. And then he has like a few sidekicks. So he has like a burly guy who he knew from school who he gets to do all the heavy lifting. And then the heavy lifting guy is like, I want to get my girlfriend out or not girlfriend. It's all very unclear. <laughs> Basically, the premise of the show is just trying to rebuild civilization mm. with like science from first principles and from basic. So basically just trying to build up, rebuild civilization from scratch. So things like, you know, creating tools, creating electricity, medicine, all that kind of stuff. I mean, like, one of the first priorities is finding a way to untrap people from the stone that they're encased in. Yeah, that's also a thing. Which is quite important and a bit weird. Um, but then, then, yeah, the science has kind of taken a bit of a swerve to, like, creating medicine and glasses for people in the random mm. civilization that they uncover. I think that it's more just kind of finding... The story is more in service to the, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we could show how you make X? Let's find some convoluted story point that will allow us to show that. Yeah. Pretty much. Basically, every episode has several lines that are basically just, science is great! And also, what we do they say? We love science. What do they say, Mike? <laughs> what do they say? Conostornoward. <laughs> Yes, they talk a lot about how they're in the stone world. They do. Um, I mean, it's a there's some like there's some conflict going on. There's a uh, there's a baddie stone person who's the world's strongest primate high schooler who they have to <clears throat> suddenly get like break out of the stone who then immediately punches a lion to death. Like clothes lines him is pretty great. Mm. It's not a very serious show. <laughs> it's very ridiculous. The character designs kind of all over the place but it, it's it I, I am enjoying it mostly I, I think if you took all of the sort of sciencey stuff out of it it wouldn't be that interesting no. but it is just from that point of view my favorite part in any kind of show book movie whatever is where they like build stuff it's like yeah let's like build up they arrive somewhere it's like we're gonna make a camp and then I'd, like, mm. put up all the fences and dig trenches and stuff like that. i'm like yeah this is great so this is just that, just constantly. So I'm yeah. completely down with that. It is pretty cool. And science is great. Science is great. Everyone loves science. I mean, some people don't. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so another show that's been on recently that has kind of taken the world by storm, I guess, is uh, Demon Slayer. Kimetsu no Yaiba. Correct. <laughs> I was wondering whether you'd remember that. Um, I think it's actually like called Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba on Crunchyroll. Yeah. Because they can't decide what their naming <laughs> scheme is. No. They just throw stuff around. Anything that works. Um, so it's a very shonen show. It is a very shonen show. It's fair to say. Um, it's animated by... Ufotable. Ufotable. Yes. It's gorgeous. Are, it is. It's Ufotable, if anything, are like very good at animating stuff. <laughs> yes, they are. It's got an interesting style, actually, where they any any sort of close-up normal action stuff is um, is traditionally animated. But anything kind of happening slightly further away or in the background is three D animated. Mm. Which it's like I, a flip side to yeah, which is nice because that means they can rather than trying to do complicated stuff. And 3D animate it, which often looks a bit bad. Mm. They, they've got the 
the capability to put the man hours into animating that, but then have the background stuff be 3D. Which, I mean, I can see why they did that, but I still noticed every time it was 3D <laughs> in the background, and I still found it jarring. But 3D is always jarring and noticeable, really, still. Yeah. You'd think we'd have Cracked advanced that, that but yeah. no, not well, quite. Um, as, like, a reference point, I guess, Ufotable are known for having previously done things like Fate Stay Night Unlimited Blade Works. Yes. And, like, Katsugeki Token Rambu, and lots of other shows that are, like, just really, yeah, really well, well animated. animated. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that was, I mean, initially that was the main draw for me about the show. It's just it looked very good and mm. the action was very well animated. And like that can be enough to kind of sustain it because the premise and like the characters, at least in the first instance, didn't really grab me as much. Yeah. I think it's fair so to basically say. there's a, there's a, it's sort of set in, um, is it like late 18th century, early? No. I think a bit later than that. Uh, not 18th century, late. Either late 19th century, early 20th century. Yes, of, yeah. Japan. Um, and there's a boy who lives with his family in a mountain up in the woods. And then his family is all like slaughtered by demons or by a demon. And then his sister gets infected, who's the only survivor of the massacre, gets like infected with demon blood and turns into a demon. Mm-hmm. And then a demon slayer appears to like slay the demon. Shocking twist. Um, and then he's just like, wait, don't kill my sister. My sister's a good demon. And this guy is like, sure, I guess. (laughs) Why don't you go and meet up with this guy and become a demon slayer? And our main character is like, completely without any discussion, he's just like, yeah, I guess I'll go do that. Yeah. He never sits there and says, I vow to become a demon slayer. He's just like, well, "Mm, yeah, I'll do that, sure. Well, no, he's kind of like, I want to get revenge on the person who killed my family, right? Yeah. But it was never... Usually when you have these... I mean, again, that's sort of a bit of nuance. Usually you get things in Shonen shows. It's like, ah, yes, I will definitely become a... Hokage. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. And he's just like, yeah, I'll be a demon slayer, I guess, if that's what I need to do. Mm. The the main character is pretty pretty great. He's like a great really solid character. Um, maybe get more into that later on. Maybe we will. Uh... But the other characters are pretty good. Yeah. Um, great Great music. Really, really good animation. There's one particular battle scene later on um, involving a spider character mm. that was just like yeah up there with some like the best animation I've seen of anything really. Oh, definitely. Well, was... I mean, prediction right now. When we get to the end of the year and the Crunchyroll Anime Awards, that's definitely going to be in there for like best fight scene. Yeah, or... I mean, I don't know. It's not like an all-time great show for me mm. but it's it definitely kind of fills the gap it's shonen without being too it's a like, bit in, subversive in your face shonen. Yeah, yeah it's a bit subversive but not subversive in like an annoying way yeah so like i mean for one thing the pace i think is a lot faster than a lot of yeah, yeah that shonen. that surprised me a lot actually the pacing was really i thought oh we're going to be on this you know training sequence yeah. for a long time and it it helped that I wasn't watching it week by week. I watched most of it kind of all in one go. Mm. So it's still it's still not really really quick pacing, but it's it's acceptable. Mm. And I mean, I guess like it's quite bloody and dark as well, like more so than your typical. <laughs> yeah, I mean, usually the amount of sort of bloodiness that was in it, I would expect to have censored, and mm. this just 
whether it's because it was um, the way it's licensed, but there's no censorship or anything like that. It's just like, yeah, dead people everywhere. Yeah. Good times. People get their heads cut off. There's a lot of that. It's, it's how you kill demons. Yeah. It's the only way to kill demons, but you only have to do it with a special sword that's made of sunlight or something, or imbued with sunlight. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's got good music. I'm sure I had something else that I was going to say about it. Okay. Uh, cool. Um, another show that I wanted to like give a quick shout out to, because you haven't watched it, so I'm not going to go into it in any kind of detail. I will watch but it one day, though. Carol and Tuesday, um, which you may or may not have seen appear on Netflix, um, is a show basically about two girls who like bump into each other uh in mar on mars in the near future um and sort of start making music together and various hijinks ensue uh and it's just it's just a very good show i mean there's a few different aspects to it one is like the just the music's really good like the songs are fantastic mm-hmm. and that for me like always makes a show kind of worth watching um it's sometimes a little too on the nose but it's kind of reflecting a lot of the issues that we're currently facing in our modern hellscape society um and like sort of playing those back in a way that you know maybe hopefully helps people recognize some destructive behaviors that may may not be going on in current discourse um political (laughs) um but yeah it's got like a bunch of weird and wonderful characters it's like got quite a fun version of the yeah future um and top music it's it's yeah it's worth a watch definitely uh the finale had me like yeah almost tearing up you know it was, it was a good no time way. yeah is it actually is it an original show is it a adaptation i think it's original okay. i think it's a netflix original that's cool um that is a problem i mean i have this with adaptations in general a lot of them don't because they're adaptations they don't necessarily finish off whatever is the source material so you just kind of get a hey this story continues and then they're like oh we're never going to make a second season of that but you should buy the manga it's like i don't want to buy the manga i want to i want the show to end and yeah that, that's happened to me a lot recently um funnily enough uh carol and tuesday actually ends um after this big like finale sequence um the card at the end comes up saying to be continued oh no and then that goes away, and then it flashes up in your mind. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, classy. Classy. Sounds like spoilers to me. Mm, well. So, I mean, one thing I just wanted to generally mention on anime before we move on from that is that um, there's too many isekai anime shows. Or, like, in another world. You're preaching to the choir here, Ben. I know, <laughs> but, like, we need to... I know this isn't like saying it to you, this is saying it to our audience. We have to raise this issue. There's just too many of them. I don't <laughs> care anymore. Any show where it's just like this person dies and is in another world and there's a demon lord, I don't care. I don't care if you've got your smartphone. I don't care if you brought your mum with you. I don't care if you bought your entire middle school class. I don't care if you're a high school prodigy. I don't care if you turned into a slime. I just don't care. Yeah, that's, that's I don't fair. care if all of you and all your isekai friends from all your other isekai friend shows have ended up somehow in a school together. Because that's a show. And I'm tired of this shit. And I want... I don't know, I just like... Something original? It's like, why not? Different. Just, if you want to do a fantasy show, just write 
just do something with a like like a fantasy. Yeah, it's it, it's stupid because a lot a lot of these isekai shows literally you've got like maybe twenty seconds at the beginning mm. of the first episode where they're in our world and then they get transported to the isekai and then it's literally like it might as well be a fantasy. But show. I mean, I just think about like really great shows, like that. I mean, I guess um, the things like you know, uh, Heroic Legend of Arslan, Arslan mm. Senki. That's like here is this fantasy world. And there's nothing isekai about it at all. And it's just great. Yeah. You're not wrong. And I mean, it's just... Shingeki no Bahamut. Like all, no all, Bahamut. all the juggernauts of great fantasy shows. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I was saying to you yesterday, but like looking at all the new shows coming out this season, like scrolling through, looking at the synopsis of all the shows that have been released thus far, it's like... Um, such and such was living a normal life until they died and then got transported to another world or such and such like fell asleep and woke up one day in a fantasy world or yeah like it's it's every single one every single I mean, one is it what what is the reason for this is it because it's is it just give you an easy premise to start out your storyline and it's like that's an excuse as to why your world is basically just like the world of a video game that seems to be the thing yeah, but like, and it allows you to make a really lazy, generic fantasy world as well. It's like there's there's goblins and elves and dwarves. Yeah, every but time we should we shouldn't need an excuse to set something in fantasy world, right? Like that's no, that's a but, genre. That's a thing. It, it's yeah. I just it really. You, you didn't watch Knights and Magic, did you? I did watch Knights and Magic. All of it. All of it. <laughs> okay. I mean, that was another show where, again, the isekai part of it was literally about two minutes at the beginning. And apart from that, like, that show, it wasn't amazing, mm. but I quite enjoyed it. And part of it was just the fact that there wasn't really much kind of isekai bullshit. Apart from that very first bit, which just didn't need to exist. It was just like... Here is this kid who really likes robots and wants to build robots. But if it wasn't an isekai show, Ben, then how could you explain how good that guy was at building robots? Prodigy. <laughs> You're telling me there aren't enough like shows about people who are prodigies. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I... I mean, there's probably even shows which have like a whole generation of prodigies who are really good at basketball or something. Okay. Um, yeah, I, move on from that. I honestly don't know why they're so popular. Are they? I mean, I'd, I'd assume that the popularity would be waning at this point. That people would be. I mean, apparently not. <laughs> That's all that's being made. But it seems like... to be very just. What's the word? It's, it's a uh, sort of bite-sized, consumable, easy, straightforward, not challenging. Maybe that's what people want. Is like, it just to... it's anime comfort food? Is it to make like the self-insert like even easier for like a fantasy-ish type setting? To be like, oh, I live in the normal world as well. Maybe one day I could get clubbed on the head and wake up in an RPG. I suppose, but... That's why it's all, like, novelly. Mm. I don't know. I'm just, I'm I just... feel like we're just griping now. Yeah, I'm just, I, I, I'm just very <laughs> upset with it. Um, yeah. So, moving on from anime, we're going to talk about some, some video games, or basically some. just just one. <laughs> Talk about Untitled Goose Game. I played that. That was a good game. Honk. But I think I haven't really... can't really say anything about that. It hasn't already been covered by the internet. There's not much you can add to that discourse, really. Yeah. Um, so Fire Emblem Three Houses. Mm. So I'm a... I mean, I would describe myself as a Fire Emblem fan, but not 
really because I basically played Awakening on the 3DS uh, after like getting into it on my second attempt because the first time I played through it I got to the time skip and uh, then stopped because I was like everything's different now I can't take it changes hard and then um, went back to it later on and played through it from the beginning again and got really into it and was like it's a great game like really like up there great game um, but we're not here to talk about Fire Emblem Awakening I couldn't get into Fates <laughs> at all um, and then I was like I hope I can get into Three Houses and you did I did eventually hooray I I mean yeah I would definitely describe myself as a Fire Emblem fan I'm not like a diehard in the sense that I didn't go back and find all the original like Game Boy versions and like all this kind of stuff um but like my first one was Radiant Dawn on the Wii, um, mm. and I've played everything since then. Um, and yeah, I loved Awakening. I loved Fates. Conversely to you, mm. um, oh, let me just—I didn't hate Fates. I probably picked like the wrong half of Fates, and the fact that Fates was like split into three different games is kind of annoying to begin with, because I think I started doing uh, Birthright, and I—I mm. I think we agree that Conquest is probably. A, better one to start with definitely or just better in general yeah that too um <laughs> i really don't like having i i can okay let, let me sort of clarify this in games in general i can deal with english voice acting i don't have a problem with english voice acting because like i'll play through mass effect or any game like that that's designed around it when you get japanese games where when they do the voice acting they always get these like not very talented dub voice actors in people who do dubs for anime and they get them in and i just hate it so much it's quite painful to listen to and awakening which i think was the no presumably ones before that must have had some voice acting in uh maybe just grunts and stuff i can't remember okay well awakening had like quite a lot of voice acting in which i believe might have been a first for the series and that had the choice between english and japanese voice acting Fates only had the English voice acting, and I couldn't get past it, and I stopped playing mostly because of that. Mm-hmm. And it seems like a really silly reason, but I've had this with so many things where it's like, I'm going to play Xenoblade Chronicles X, and then I started up and I was like, what do you mean there's no option for Japanese voice acting? And I stopped playing the game. Yeah. Like, having just bought it, I never even played more than about five minutes of it. That's very Also, sad. I had like the the Sawano Hiroyuki soundtrack was a bit oppressive. Um, Crank up the Sawano to 11. So, yeah, it just... So that the fact... So Fire Emblem Three Houses is, like, the game. Yeah. It looks good. It has Japanese voice acting. I triple-checked that before I bought it. And it still, like, took me... I still had some, like, gripes about it initially because I went for the... You, you can choose between a male and a female avatar in the game, and previously you've always been able to choose your character appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, in this game you can't, which I sort of understand because it's so they can integrate your character into fully animated cutscenes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But I really, really didn't like the character design for the female character. The character and, design for the male character isn't much better. Yeah, neither <laughs> of them are particularly great. And it wasn't even just... like She just kind of looked... Like, the proportions are all very anime, and there's this weird midriff window and these bizarre 
tights and it's like this person is supposed to have been a mercenary all their life and the sleeves i don't get it i don't think on the male one at least yeah it's all just terrible i end up buying dlc just so you can actually get a different outfit <laughs> which i think actually looks terrible for the male character because you get the stupid hat okay oh, for the um the female one is actually significantly better so should we explain what fire Emblem three houses is just before that i want to <laughs> talk about this but like some reason in my in my games like i like to play as a female character but i like to play as a female character that i can relate to not a female character that i like find sexually attractive take that however you will <laughs> but this character i just looked at and i was like i can't i can't like relate to this it doesn't help that the character also doesn't talk and is like just really just unemotional pretty much the whole time anyway that's my rant on that excellent i mean the the not talking thing is yeah it is a bit jarring like mm. especially I, since the main character has kind of voiced or been like partially voiced um mm. for all the other games you you get kind of vague decisions as to what to do but and, yeah. your, and your your character does actually have voice but only in battle only in scenes. battle yeah which is odd when you're mm. going around yeah the monastery Garrick Mac talking yeah, you, to all your students do you want to explain about maybe so i mean concepts. just broadly like without all the story behind it but like so you're basically a professor teaching students who are made up of mostly the world's nobility at this monastery um in the middle of this big country that's mostly split into like three big nations i guess mm. or three houses oh. <laughs> um and so you're basically teaching them how to fight and be nobles and good people, except mostly you're just going around wrecking stuff. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of the game... So like previous Fire Emblem games and other games of its type, I guess, you have like a big party that you can select from mm. uh, of people that you take into battle with you and also people that you can chat to, build up bonds with, all the classic kind of Fire Emblem-y type stuff. Um, but there's additional mechanics around sort of how you tutor them and like mm. how you train them up in different skills and like you can make decisions about how they progress. The, and... the core of the game is it's like it's a tactical, um, tactical. What's even the it's word? It's a tactical. Here? It's a tactical game. It's a turn-based tactics game. Yes, yeah. that's the one. So you basically you move your characters around on a grid and say, "Hello, I want you to attack this person with a sword until they die." Yeah, it's a good time. But I mean, the, the core mechanics have existed for so long now that they are just pretty much just unbelievably polished. The problem I find with that, though, is because the, the game assumes a lot of the player. Like, I feel it's thinking, yes, these mechanics have been around forever, so we don't really need to explain how this game works. Mm. Like, I know we're kind of launching into sort of very particular bits about the game and pulling it apart before we've really talked too much about it no, broadly. I'm down with that. <laughs> but... Uh, the tutorial um, is, like, basically non-existent. It's really unhelpful, I think, for new players. Like, it... as someone... as I've introduced people to the series mm. with this game, and I've seen people, like, pick up the series for the first time with this game, and everyone's had a hard time getting into it. The, the other thing that I would say about Fire Emblem is that because you can generally kind of grind, even they, they sort of restrict grinding, but you can still grind levels out and get your characters stronger... The first couple of battles are always really hard because you're just starting from a complete baseline, especially on the harder difficulties. 
And then after that, once you can actually kind of put the grind in, it pretty much just becomes a lot more straightforward. Mm. You're not actually looking out to make to see if every character is going to die every turn or something like that. So yeah, it, it is a bit of a it's a bit of a steep learning curve. Mm. But I mean, talk just on mechanics. I'm always curious to go back to kind of early games in the series or like the first game in a series to see how many mechanics that are in the current game existed back then. So I went and looked at like a part of a playthrough of Fire Emblem, the first one on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Fire Emblem, colon, the first one. (laughs) It's called Fire Emblem something hero of might and hero of light and dragon of darkness I, th- sure. i'm sure that's totally wrong i'm sorry um but it's amazing to see how much is actually was in that game you've got i mean obviously you've got characters moving around you've got loads of different classes you've got classes you've got like normal classes that can progress into advanced classes people level up you can buy weapons the weapons have different durabilities and different strengths um there's just like loads of stuff you can go and visit towns. I mean, it's all uh, displayed sort of in a quite a rudimentary way, and it's obviously a lot less polished. But it is that that core gameplay really hasn't changed that much. And even like deeper mechanics, like being able to um, get your characters to build up bonds and have children together, has existed since I think some of the one of the Super Nintendo games, mm. which. Possible. Yeah, actually, none of those were ever released outside Japan. It was Thrashier something. Okay, it's got a number. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, but I thought that was interesting. It is interesting. Yeah, definitely. Like you'd expect the series to have got where it is through quite a long sort of evolution, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially because yeah, some of those mechanics haven't changed in a a few entries. So, but I mean, it's it's managed to kind of evolve without. It still feels fresh. It doesn't feel like sort of a, a tired... I mean, again, because they also don't release Fire Emblem games that often. Mm. Although I suppose they release kind of re remakes every now and then. But people tend to kind of skip over those. Yeah, I mean, I certainly didn't play Shadows over... Shadows of Valencia. Valencia, whatever it is, yeah. Um, but I've been certainly looking forward to Three Houses. Which for... was a remake of Fire Emblem Gaiden, I think, which is the second game. The second one, yeah. Um yeah, I've been looking forward to Three Houses for years, yeah, basically. I, I was thinking, actually, earlier, because Fire Emblem Three Houses had this like pretty epic trailer, which they showed off at E3 or mm-hmm. something. And it's kind of like, it's one of those games where I sort of, I'm kind of hyped for it in a way that I sort of expect that it's never actually going to come out. And I think back on that trailer, I was like, man, I can't wait to play <laughs> that game. It's like, you have played that game, Ben. You've played like 200 hours of that game. I'm like, yeah, okay, fine, sure. <laughs> quite a lot of hours yeah so you've just finished your just finished my first playthrough i think that took me 90-ish hours i think my first took about 105 just Mm. over 100 i mean i i was playing quite uh i mean there's lots of little side quests and other things you can do there's loads of i probably spent like hours just fishing (laughs) because fishing is a horrible horrible grind and not very fun but is a way to get up your professor, professor level, level which is what enables you to do more teaching and do more battles and things like that what a game um but yeah i mean it was I, i've i'm now on my like third playthrough of it because you can play through all the different you become the head of each of the three different houses 
um, depending on which one you pick. In each of those, you end up... There's two halves of the game. There's a the first half where you're in the monastery and teaching people, and that's all kind of happy. And that's the same for each one. And then you have the second half, which is after a five-year time skip, where you... Um, where it varies depending on yes, who you pick. Yes, that, that varies a lot more. So I'm... Uh, but it is a bit of a slog going through that first half of the game every time. Yeah, and it's what's putting me off, probably, from doing another playthrough, at least any time soon. Um, but, I mean, maybe we should weigh in on who, which is the best house. <laughs> well, I mean, you and I both picked the Golden Deer. Us and pretty much everyone else in the world, I think. Did they? I thought, like, Edelgard was, like, crazy popular. <sighs> I mean, yeah. I, from what I've seen, Edelgard is by far, or um, Black Eagles is by far the most popular. So each house has a house leader, yes. who's like kind of the figurehead, um, and then like a bunch of students within that house. And so Golden Deer, which is the one that we picked, has by far the best and coolest house leader in the form yes. of Claude, who's he's, amazing and fabulous. He, he he's he's best guy, isn't he? I don't think he's definitely any, best guy. I don't think there's any like. There's even, there's a bit um, where, because I, I, I've, I've gone through and I did the, the Claude path, which is the Alliance, and then you've also got Edelgard, who's the um, Empire. Fr- from the Empire, and then you've got Dimitri, who's the Prince of the Kingdom, Kingdom. of Fergus, Fergus, but Fergus, Fergus, whatever it is. Um, for my second playthrough, I did the playthrough where you're being Edelgard. So basically after the time skip, there's lots of war and you, all of the different factions end up fighting each other i mean that, that's not really a spoiler you kind of know mm. that going into it um but uh there was a bit where edelgard is like we need to go and defeat claude and then claude's just like whoa now i think you're forgetting that i'm best guy and they're just like god damn it he's right we can't do this we can't beat claude and he's like of course you can't it yeah. it was it was brilliant um and it it just made me really sad because every time I was just like, I wish I had Claude in my team, and I don't. Yeah, but, like, there's a bit of a trade-off, because, at least in my opinion, the actual, like, other people in the Golden Deer house are, like, less interesting. I... Some of them, yeah. I actually ended up really liking everyone in my house. Like, it got to the point where I was, like, really emotionally attached to everyone. I mean, they definitely grow on you. Like, that's one of the many charms of Fire Emblem, that it's able to, like make you really attach to those characters. I'm going to put it out there. I think best house leader is Claude. I think best house in terms of people in it is probably Blue Lions. I was going to say the same thing. Because I'm now on my Dimitri Blue Lions playthrough and I'm, I just really like all the characters. Although they're all quite serious. Whereas mm. um, Alliance... Golden Deer like, is the happy house. Yeah. And like I said, a lot of the people in Golden Deer, pretty much all of them grew on me, apart from Lorenz, who sucks. He was level 8. You didn't give him a chance. You need to give Lorenz a chance. He, yeah, he definitely grew on me throughout the game. The characters in general, actually, I think, were, are pretty great across the board. I remember in, in Awakening, there were quite a lot of dud characters for me. And also because of the way that you get characters that as you go through you just kind of encounter new characters and then they join your group and when you get characters kind of joining you towards the end of the game it's like okay well i'm glad you joined my party but i'm never going to use you because i already have this like really solid team of people that i've been using all the way through 
I mean, um, that's true with any kind of party-based RPG type. Yeah, but the nice thing about Three Houses is that you spend your first half of the game building up this group of people. And then once you get to the time skip, that's it. That is your group. And you go forward with that. And you like, you know who they are. You know everything that's going on. And that's... I, I like that. Because you don't sort of feel pressured to think, oh, God, no, I need to... Well, you, you can go, oh, God, I should have recruited this person. But there's also just like this is my team and you can really focus on leveling up those, I don't know, I think about like 12 or yeah. 14 people is probably about the most that you'd really want to have. Yeah. But it's, um, yeah. It's it, good. It, it, it's good. <laughs> I mean, the, the music's good graphically. It's, it's good enough. It's good enough. Yeah. Like it's maybe not as good as you might expect from like the most recent Fire Emblem. It's kind of, mm. it's kind of muddy, I think. Mm. And like the environment, you can tell it wasn't their focus. Yeah, the environments aren't particularly interesting yeah. or varied. I think that the yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen kind of more battles in kind of snowy areas mm. or in I don't know jungles and things like that. Yeah. There, there, there's a bit in there's a library in the monastery. We can go there and it tells you about all the different places. And I was like, man, I should go and fight in some of these. They sound really interesting. I guess at least it is kind of coherent story-wise, rather than just yeah, no, putting I mean, you arbitrarily. Like... I think probably a lot of that is just the fact that I did lots and lots of extra battles, mm. and they get a bit tiresome just oh, being know. on the same. It's like, let's go back to Magdred Way. Yeah, <laughs> I know the feeling. Uh, I enjoyed the game. Um, I think, yeah, like it's going to be tricky to force myself to do another playthrough. There, there are soon. definitely some less good things about it. Some of, some, some of the weapons, you, you get these special weapons called relics, which are really powerful, but I kind of never end up using them because they're really difficult to repair and you need special materials that you don't generally get a lot of. And usually if you do, you only get them by luck. So you just kind of end up getting to the point fairly early on where you're just like, I'm just going to use these default weapons that I can buy more of and repair really easily for the whole of the rest of the game. Mm. There's a lot more <clears throat> management yeah, that's like I played when I actually finally sat down after like throwing a hissy fit and being like, "Why does my character look so stupid? I hate everything. Why can't I change anything? Everything sucks." When I actually sat down and played the game, I played it for like three hours, and in that time, at the beginning of the game, and that time I think I did about two actual battles. Mm. To be fair, once you get past that point, but like the the actual if if you want to do everything properly and do all of the teaching and do everything that it's a bit of a ends up being a bit of a grind between the story battles and because it's it works on this calendar system you feel like you have to make the most of all that time mm. otherwise you're going to be missing out yeah definitely but in addition to that they've also added in like a bunch of extra mechanics and stuff in this versus previous titles mm. there's just a lot more stuff for you to check like every month or before every battle so it's mm. like does everyone have, like, the right battalion? Has the battalion oh, been replenished? Yeah, I don't know why... Battalion should just automatically replenish. It doesn't cost... It mm. costs, like, almost nothing. To, you, you can basically assign groups of fighters to accompany your um, people into battle, which is sort of fun because it, it kind of makes more sense because rather than just having one person running in and killing one other person, you've got, like, your character leading, like, a... A battalion of people to go and attack this other group of people, which feels a lot more epic. It's a grander scale, definitely. Um, so it makes sense, but every time someone gets attacked, they're, they're 
battalion loses some whatever it is health health resilience and then um at the end of the battle at some point you can go to your battalion guild and say hello i'd like to replenish my battalion and it costs like two gold (laughs) it costs almost nothing so you really you'd think it could just replenish automatically at the end of a battle and Mm. nothing would be lost yeah there's a lot more management of abilities and things in Mm. this as well um yeah it just adds to the admin i feel like there's too many abilities like the a lot of stuff you're just like well this is yeah there's there's a lot of things which could be interesting but i never use them because it's like why would i want to use this when i could use this other thing that's so much better or on the surface is so much better um a lot of the mass the, the classes you get different classes you start off with like a basic class and you go into become more advanced ones and then finally you unlock master classes i think a lot of the master classes are pretty bad uh yeah well i don't want to say that the classes are bad but there definitely isn't enough variety in the master master classes okay they're not a lot of them feel more like side grades than upgrades so it's like okay you've got your healer person you can turn them into a holy knight but then they'll only be able to use like half as much healing magic compared to before Mm. and it's just things like that it always seems to be kind of a toss-up whereas there's not just and some of the characters don't have clear progression paths they just kind of get somewhere and then stop so if you want someone to be a a, uh, pegasus rider there's a Pegasus Intermediate class, and then there's no Pegasus Advanced class, but then there is a Pegasus mm. Master class. So you end up leaving someone in Intermediate class for a whole um, 10 levels, unless you're just like, okay, I'm going to teach you an axe skill mm. so you can become a wyvern in that time. But it's not worth it. Yeah, it's very unintuitive as well. Like Again, especially for new players, like... They don't know to be keeping an eye on the sort of long game and what... Yeah, no, I mean, playing through it now, I'm just like, oh yeah, okay, I need to start teaching everyone how to ride a horse quite early on, because all the advanced Mm -hmm. classes need you to ride a horse. Exactly, yeah. Um... So, yeah, it's... um... But generally, I mean, I've put enough time into it now that I really can't moan about it. (laughs) Also, you get a lot of... In terms of the storyline, there's a lot of kind of dumb stuff and a lot of times where your character is like you get a choice of things to say and it's like none of these are what i actually want to say yeah i mean you are in the same way as you can't change your appearance because you know like the game has an image of who you are and they want to fit you into the cutscenes. it's like you're also your character is just like this pawn in this story that they've drawn out and like you whilst it presents you dialogue options every now and then like none of it really matters and, that... and a lot of the time it flashes up with mm. the screen that it gives you when you have dialogue options but like 80 percent of the time you only have like one choice mm. <laughs> so it's pretty arbitrary it's like where you pick all of the dialogue options and it's just that you get exactly the same response no matter what you pick mm. or one line will change that'll just proceed as normal there's very little you can do that's actually impactful with those conversations but basically what it comes down to is i just really don't like the main character very much yeah which is disappointing because again in awakening which i compared to a lot because it's really the only other fire game i played i really liked my main character i was like yeah yeah you're great awakening is you and crom are gonna robin yeah but i never call my person the default thing there wasn't actually like a default name I think that they sort of made it, they retro made it the 
default name with Super Smash Brothers, but before that, I think it was just like Avatar character. All right. But um, yeah, I was saying yesterday. There was also, at least in the paths that I played so far, there was one moment in Awakening which was like a very kind of hard hitting, emotional moment, and I never feel like, which if you played it, you'd probably know which. But I mean, Three Houses to me never quite hit that same mm. thing. I'm running out of words here. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, the story, close, but... the story very much just felt like a, almost like an add-on or an excuse for you to be doing all of the admin stuff and the mm. character stuff um, is never really like the focus, and there wasn't anything like original there to kind of draw your interest. And certainly for me, I at no point could really tell you exactly what was going on or the, who like the, the big bad was. The... Like, Individual stories, the relationships were a lot more interesting to me than the grand story was. Like, there's lots of characters because again, the characters are great, and that's really the the strength of the game, apart from the main character. So, seeing those stories unfold to me is really just far more interesting, <clears throat> and it does that really well. And you get all the little side stories, side battles, which are always fun. So, um, yeah, overall, I think we we both, despite all this bitching we've done about it we both really enjoyed it so um yeah well i mean you can't argue with the amount of hours we've both put in and yeah like i'd happily go back and do it again so. i put a lot of hours into league of legends that doesn't mean i think league of legends is a great game <laughs> well that's a whole it just other means discussion. i made some mistakes in my younger days maybe one day you'll look back at fire emblem three houses and think it was a giant mistake hmm Apart from the stupid midriff window, I mean, I think I'm pretty pretty down with, uh, with everything about it. Sweet. Uh, then maybe we should move on to our quote-unquote main event. We need we need to think of like a snappy name for this, like a, I don't know. A name for the segment. Yeah, like a Mike and Ben discuss. That's not snappy at all. <laughs> uh, stuff Ben and Mike like? Question mark. I say that as it is. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah. So our, our our big discussion topic is: Can a main character be best guy in a show? So I think the first thing to do is to really break down what that actually means in this context. Um, so Mike, what is a best guy? What is a best guy? Uh... What, what, what do we define? between us as best guy because we have a pretty similar idea of what this is i don't know like I, i'm not sure i've ever really like put it into words as such but uh i suppose best guy is just the most enjoyable presence in a show that may maybe is part of like what keeps you coming back to it I like every time they're on screen yeah that, that, that's, that's what i would say it's like best guy is like every time they're on screen you're just like yeah, yeah. this guy this guy right here I mean, usually I'd say they're generally kind of... They don't have to be, like, cool or suave or anything like that. And they don't necessarily have to be incredibly powerful in the context of the show. They're just, um, like, classy is, mm. the, is the word I tend to, to fall back on for these kinds of things. It's like, you're just you're just a good character. Um, do, do we want to, like, go through some examples of characters? Or do you want to... Uh, uh, should, should, should we discuss like what 
some other features about about best guys <laughs> we could do um so is, is there always a best guy in a show i would say not always if for no other reason than some shows don't have any guys in whatsoever. yeah that, that is usually tends <laughs> to be a thing um one show I was trying to think of earlier, where I was like, this just doesn't have a best guy at all. It was Laid Back Camp that we were Laid talking Back about. Laid Back Camp definitely doesn't have like <laughs> any guys in at all. I think there was there was one person who was a guy, and it turned out that it was actually a girl. <laughs> yeah, there's like NPC kind of guys. Yeah, but... no, it doesn't really count. I mean, you can sometimes have characters where they just have a really minor role, and you're just like, you're best guy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And then there's some times where it's like, this guy is definitely your best guy, but, I mean, not really. He's just like a random side character who you just really like. Like Nabe P and, um... Shirobako. Or, going back slightly, the random gatekeeper guard in Fire Emblem Three Houses. <laughs> yeah, I, I, he, I mean, he, again, he's great, but Claude... He's, yeah, he's not best guy in comparison to Claude, obviously. No one's really best guy in comparison to Claude. Claude is just like... See, sorry, I just have to go through this again. There's like this thing right at the beginning of Fire Emblem <laughs> where, where people are just like, oh, Claude, it's like, he's like, he seems really nice on the surface, but he's actually kind of devious You never know scheming. what he's thinking. But it's just not fucking true. <laughs> Claude is just the most nice, genuine guy. And I just... Uh, I shouldn't have brought Fire Emblem back up. No, you shouldn't. Look <laughs> what you um, did. But, yeah, I mean, I think most people probably have a concept of of best guy, even if they don't term it that. So, like, mm. it's not necessarily best character or, like, a best written character or anything mm. like that. But, yeah, it adds a certain charm. What? Why, why don't we talk about best guy in the same way we talk about best girl? Um, I think there's a kind of pre-existing weird connotation of best girl mm. like on the internet and so it can be best dear cleared from yeah i mean i suppose that, that there's some characters who we would probably describe as like best girl in sort of analogous to best guy mm. so i mean you know if we're again talking about laid back camp um i'd say that i can't remember her name but the <laughs> the uh, main girl not again who's main girl <laughs> the the blue-haired one who like, originally is like the girl who goes camping yes the main, i describe that's the main girl is it okay i describe her as like best girl yeah the same as being best guy but but that's not best girl in the context of like is amelia best girl or rem best girl from yeah that's Re-Zero. usually that's usually <laughs> a context of like which character would i like to marry or something yes. like that waifu material waifu, that's the word i was looking for yeah that word yeah well, it's different, really. You're saying, I want this person to be my waifu versus I want to marry this person. Yeah. It's just a slightly different... It's subtle, you know. Um, so, yeah. Uh, what what other notes do I have on this? So Well, I mean, I guess the reason that this is a topic of conversation is that you'd think, in most cases, you'd try and make your main character or the one who's kind of most commonly appearing mm. your like best character or your strongest character or the one that people like the most uh what or like you know maybe that's what common sense mm. would dictate um but what you tend to find or at least what we tend to find is that in the vast majority of cases the main character is 
not even close to being best guy material. No, and it's usually the, the best guy is generally like a side character or a sidekick or... And that, there's probably a, a factor of... I mean, it, why why is the main character not usually best guy? I think some of it is often just like exposure just straight up. Like if you get a character who's not on screen that often, but every time they're on screen does cool stuff, you just say, that person's best guy. Mm. Whereas maybe if they're on screen all the time, you're just like, eh, I've seen that before. Yeah, I think that's a very good point, especially when you talk about, I guess, big shonen mm. series. Shonen protagonists. Well... A lot of protagonists, particularly shown protagonists, are really annoying. Mm. They're obnoxious and they're noisy and they just think they're way cooler than they actually are. Yeah, and that seems to be, at least in our kind of sphere, like a universally accepted truth. So, like, I mm. don't... Because obviously those kind of shonen series are geared towards young boys or however you want to well, see it. Sort of so give... I don't know whether they're... So the examples for that, I guess, like Naruto and... Black Clover main Black guy. Clover. Oh, God. Yeah, it's not even going to that. <laughs> um, but so yeah, I don't know whether for that target audience, maybe they don't see them as annoying. Maybe they see them as aspirational, whatever the case may be. But to a Western audience, or maybe people who are like way too old for this stuff, <laughs> um, see them as yeah, obnoxious and loud and snotty and. Mm. I've completely lost what I was going to. Talk it's about. okay, uh, but yeah, the exposure thing is definitely true as well. So with, again, with shonen shows, if like it's going on for two hundred episodes. If you're seeing the same people like week in, week out, and you know they often have maybe the same one or two moves or whatever that they're using week in, week out, then you're maybe not going to be as warm to them as yeah, someone who comes in like once every like thirteen episodes and just like wrecks something, you know, like that's kind of more best guy material potentially. So should we talk about like some examples of best guys in shows? who we think, they're MCs, main characters in shows that we think are also best guy. That's just... Because we think these are definitely exceptions to the standard way. Yes. So just to pick an example from earlier, uh, the main guy, main character from Demon Slayer, which is Tanjiro. Tanjiro. Um, I can't remember his surname. Well, I found Neither can I. Name. I think it might begin with K. Could be wrong. Yeah, it's completely lost on me. So Tanjiro, um, we mentioned, is like, He's just a good character. And again, like he subverts the whole exposure thing because he's mm. on screen most of the time. And again, th this is something I think that you'll find across all these characters is they do kind of have to subvert this exposure thing where like they have to just somehow actually be tolerable all the time and still like be good enough to be classed as best guy. Tanjiro is like he's he's powerful, so he does lots of cool stuff, but he's not big headed about it. Mm. He's never like bigging himself up. He's quite uh, sort of meek about everything, but he just he kicks ass. He really does. Mm -hmm. And again, it's that thing where every time he's on, I mean, he he's on screen like most of the time, but there's sort of there's him just in sort of normal mode, and then there's when he kind of gets going and when he actually gets going it's like yes this is best guy i was going to say maybe that's the thing across a lot of these characters is they're not necessarily constant for some of them they're not necessarily like constantly best guy but they're like they're, they're pretty good characters and then they have the jumps which make them best guy whereas if they were doing if they were at that level all the time they just become obnoxious mm, they're not just yeah one track kind of yeah, that's a good point, So, um, which we may revisit as we go through. Yeah. I was also going to say, 
like all of Tanjiro's like interactions with other characters are always like pretty yeah. perfect. Um, like they're not, as you say, like arrogant, and they're usually quite amusing. Or I think another sort of common theme, which again we can discuss if we go through, is that a lot of these best guy main characters, and they're not. I'm trying to think of a better word. They're not like airheads, but they're kind mm. of. They're sort of. They, they they think about the world in quite a kind of simple way. Mm. They're just like you know what this is right, this is wrong, this is you know what I need to do to succeed, and they don't sort of they're not they don't sway from that. They're just like oh no, I'm so injured inside. Or when they do, they're just like you know I need to get over this and sort stuff out. And I find that personally to be quite a tolerable character type because it's like even when they are being obnoxious you kind of just like oh well you know that this person really believes in what they're saying i'm kind of just wanting to talk about saramura here okay yeah i mean i was i was reading between the lines saramura from who's the main character in um diamond oasis diamond oasis which is like mike's favorite show mm. who is a a pitcher um which is the person who throws the ball and baseball <laughs> uh but he's just he he is the main character, and he kind of starts out, and he's like, "Oh, this is just sort of annoying, loud, shown protagonist." But he just again, it's the thing where most of the time he's like, "Yeah, he's pretty good," and then he gets up onto the mound and starts pitching. He's like, "This guy, this guy." Yeah, I mean, he's super. It's interesting. Again, you talk about two modes, like because when he's off the pitch, like he's a bit of a clown. He's a almost like stupid like people mm. make fun of him whatever on the mound he's kind of a lot more charismatic and he like sort of pulls the team together but he doesn't lose that he, he doesn't change he's into not a different, different person character. yeah so he's still he still keeps the essence of what he is um but he just becomes just like just so good and again it's like every time he's on every time he's there it's just it's the best part of the show but i the, i wonder here whether going back to the kind of exposure bit whether that would still be true of Saramura if he was more prominent in the show. Because whilst he is main character, and he is there a lot of the time, like, he's, thus far, like, three seasons in, he's never been, like, the number one pitcher for the team. He's like, never he's, been the ace. He's not the ace, exactly. And whilst he's, like, incredibly hardworking, like, sort of, basically mm. every other shonen protagonist in the world, like, those other protagonists often are in that position that they want to be, or, like, mm. they're really hardworking and also the most powerful people in the world, or whatever the case may yeah. be, even if they get portrayed as an underdog. Whereas Saramura is, like, on the sidelines a lot of the time, and he's, like, looking at other people's achievements. But when he gets that chance, he, like, really takes it seriously and, like... Steps up to it. the plate. Wow. <laughs> No, because he's not batting, is he? He does sometimes. He's good. He's good at bunting. He's that's the only thing he's good at. <laughs> but yeah, he, he's just. I want to watch Ace of Diamonds. Yeah, right it's, now. it's just such a great show, and Saramura is a big part of that, which mm. is why he's like. But best yeah, guy. That, that's the thing is that it it does that sort of. It almost feels like the whole of the rest of the show is just build up to when Saramura gets to pitch. It's like okay, we see other people pitching. We do this. We do this. Like now it's Saramura, <laughs> and then you have to come down from that, and then it's like okay, now we chill out. It, that 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 feels to me like what the show is kind of structured around, mm. and that that sort of comes through in why he's such a an interesting character to watch. And again, he's like he's not he's not very deep as a character. He's pretty straightforward. He just wants to be good at baseball, but 
like that that's it and that's but he's so good at being just that character yeah and i mean he has his ups and downs as you were alluding to earlier like mm. he goes through his slumps and like but you feel for him during that time you know mm. that he's not just going to be annoying and whiny forever and yeah and he even when he has slumps i don't think he's ever really like really annoying and whiny he's just he generally is just like you know what i've got a problem here and i need to work mm. through it work hard and get over it should we talk about uh kotetsu from tiger and bunny maybe we should um so or aka wild tiger wild tiger yeah definitely well i mean yeah definitely main character of that show i yeah. think it's fair to say Absolutely. um and i guess also has two modes in the sense of like he has his superhero wild tiger mode and he has his kotetsu dad but mode i think with him it's a lot more of a blurred line mm. his his hero persona is because actually that, that's an interesting thing a lot of the heroes in that show all have because it's it's, a, it's basically it's a show about um heroes who that is superheroes and they have to fight baddies it's pretty straightforward but all of the heroes are like competing to get the most points on a tv show yaddy 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 but Almost all of the other heroes have their kind of their persona that they have in their private life, and then they have their on-screen mm. hero persona. And Kotetsu is someone where his persona is pretty much exactly the same between the two. Like he doesn't really ever stop being uh, being who he is. He's goofy dad. Like, <laughs> he's a goofy dad, but he's a hero, and he like he always wants to be the hero, mm. like no matter what. And um, but again, he. He's like he's not stupid, but he is sort of simple in in his approach to things. He's just like, yeah, this is me, and I'm gonna do what's right because that's what I'm supposed to do. But he's just he he just he he makes other characters around him better. Mm, makes other people shine, which is mm. another thing that Saramura does as well. Yeah, actually, that's true. Um, probably true of. Tanjiro, Tanjiro as yeah, well. that's, that's probably another common thread. So Kotetsu, yeah, he's just, and again, like when he does cool stuff, you're just like, yes, <laughs> this guy. Yeah, and I mean, I, I've, I've watched Tiger and Bunny, I think, three times. I've watched the first half mm. about three times. I think I've watched the rest of the show twice. But there's just moments where you just think, oh yeah, is this show good? And then he just it's always it's Kotetsu he just does some stuff and he's like I love this guy yeah and it, it, it that's quite a sort of intangible thing and it's proving hard to describe Might give me some words here. I don't know I, I was just thinking one of the other things I don't know how much it factors into it but I, I mean also looking at my the rest of my list for like where main character and best character might overlap um, it's interesting to consider like his age as an anime protagonist. Mm. He because is like uh, he's probably like, like mid thirties, forty almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which obviously is not your kind of usual no. age range for for an anime protagonist. Um, and older than most of the heroes he works with as mm. well. In fact, all of them. I think he's the oldest. Yes. Yeah. Um. And so I'm just wondering sort of how that fits into the picture. Well, he is, he has kind of, he, he's mature in terms of his, he, he's mature, but he doesn't sort of act mature, mm. I guess. Like, it, it's like, it's like he knows he's mature and so he doesn't mind acting goofy, whereas everyone else is, especially a lot of the younger characters are just like, no, I am, I know that I'm 
immature and therefore I must try and act maturely. Yeah. So he's he's very much comfortable with himself. I think maybe there's a certain element of like realism that flow is a thread through these characters as well because like he's got the life experience and he's seen a lot of stuff happen mm. and like when things need to be serious he gets serious. Um and so it's like that kind of knowledge. I think also similarly like with Sawamura like he can flip a switch like when he needs to maybe like mm. when it comes down to the wire and Tanjiro perhaps like I mean that show has a lot of weird goofy comedy but then like when mm. it's go time it's go time kind I mean, of thing. it's like if 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 they if it gets to the point where there's sort of Tanjiro and also Katetsu if you're just like this person is in danger they'll just be like okay let's stop messing around we'll go mm. and we'll, we'll we'll sort this out this this takes priority and just like no they're just is and somehow I mean every time I see a character like this, it's sort of refreshing somehow. I don't know where that is because I'm trying to think about what other characters do. I don't differently. know. I feel like that could be a little bit of a red herring because I mean that trait in itself, just like going to help people who are in yeah, danger, like is a pretty that, standard mm, thing, right? I think that's sort of it's. Yeah, it's sort of everything around that as well. It's sort of it's the way that they they approach it. I don't know. It's it's hard. Should should we go into some more more examples? More more weird examples, perhaps. <laughs> um, um, in fact, the, the the other ones I've got here are probably more like the kind of a different style of main ca- of best guy main character. Um, if you go into Kama from from the world, God only knows. Kami no Mizu Shiro Sekai. Yes. Nice <laughs> so this is the main character in the world God only knows, which is a show about a guy who is basically a, a, a gal game fiend who's played every dating sim known to man and um, is an expert on everything and pretty much just has to use his expertise to... Uh, Make real life girls fall in love with him. Yes, so that to he... expel the demons from their hearts. Basically. Yes, to basically like exercise them, and it's all quite light hearted. That sounds a lot darker than <laughs> she is. It's very ridiculous. Um, I mean, that, that there's, I suppose there's an element in this of that he's the only guy. In yeah, the show, I was really. just thinking about this. There aren't many guys to put him up against, hmm. which it might might make him a bit of a. Not great inclusion on the list. I mean, but... you, you do get shows where he's um, where where it's kind of a harem thing. It's like there is one guy, and it's like the one guy doesn't get to be best guy by yeah. default of being the only guy. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't call them best guy. Whereas I would probably still call Kama best guy. Because... Yeah, because again, he's he because the, the the premise of the show is quite uh, what's the word? It's a bit. Bizarre. <laughs> what are yeah, you going for? Um, no, that's still not the right word. I'll, I'll come back to that. But basically, like the premise of him going around using his dating sim skills to conquer girls seems a bit sort of weird and freaky and uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, kind of, kind of creepy. And yeah, but I think the the way that his character is actually goes a long way to making it not so creepy. Mm. Like he's very sort of. He, he he again he he's he's a relatively simple character he's quite easy to understand he just loves playing these <laughs> games and he knows everything and he's just like ah oh, yes i can see the path 
I can see the ending. That's that's the thing. They got it wrong. Um, sorry. But yeah, no, it's it's interesting that you say that because um, yeah, there's a few different layers to it. So there's like the very serious. I just want to play my games thing, like just a bit silly mm. and like there's a lot of kind of wacky goofy stuff as well where you might mm. like flip out on like you know demon girl or whatever um but then even though like what he's doing is profoundly ridiculous in terms of like making these girls fall in love with him because of demons in their hearts or whatever like at the end of the day he's also still quite like sincere about mm. it as and well he, he, he takes it seriously mm. and he like he, d- he generally sort of doesn't want to hurt anyone's feelings or anything like that and it, and it's not like he's kind of He's not a pickup artist. Mm. He's sort of genuinely trying to do things to sort of that these girls will will love him for. Yeah, and it's like super clumsy because he's trying to apply these dating sim techniques or lines or whatever, even though that in real life he's you know not what might be described as a catch. Mm. I guess. Or is he? Or is he? I mean, that's that's, <laughs> that's that's kind of the thing. Is it's just like maybe if he wasn't so completely obsessed with dating sims, he'd probably just. You know, be some kind of Casanova, but he's again. He's sort of he doesn't care about that. He's just mm-hmm. like you know, I'm happy with my games, and I'll do this because it's what needs to be done. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm just I'm just me. Interesting. Um, who should we talk about next on our list of people? I don't know. They're getting probably progressively a bit more eccentric. Yeah. <laughs> should we? Should we? <laughs> should we go into um, Kaito Kuraba? Kuraba Kaito, or Uh, Kaito Kid. Kaito Kid. From Magic Kaito 1412. So obviously in the Detective Conan universe, he's not like the main character in Case Closed or Detective Conan. But he is the main character in Magic Magic Kaito Kaito. 1412. Or the other Magic Kaito movies that exist. Yeah. Um, So he's he's this wacky magician character. We've talked about him before. Um, I think I said it was one of my favourite shows. Yeah. I think you did say that, we, and it is great. It is. You um, finished watching it for the, who knows how many times yesterday. It was only like the second time for me. Oh, really? But, oh, yeah. well. But I can, he's just, he's a ridiculous character. He's simple, he's straightforward, and he just, again, he, he's just cool. Every time he's on screen, every time he's doing magic, you're just like, who is this guy? How can he do all this stuff? This is just bonkers. What are you doing? And again, he's he's sort of he's a bit more similar to. Uh, I'd say that these these best guys are sort of quite different to the the Kotetsu Saramura Tanjiro best guys, who mm. are more kind of the the shonen archetype. This is more like the sort of comedy show best guy mm. main character archetype. Again, like kind of got a pretty goofy comedy vibe to him in like mm. the classroom kind of space, and then. Gets a bit more yeah. serious, funky in his trademark white suit and <laughs> silk top hat. But he's he's got a a banging theme tune as he well. He does have some great music behind him. But so that's an interesting thing with Kaito, I think. So if you were watching Detective Conan, for mm. example, I think Kaito Kid would be like prime best guy material in that show where he's not main character yeah. because he'll only show up once in a blue moon and he'll do something really cool and then he'll like disappear um and so that's kind of like more standard best guy mm. territory i guess yeah whereas then in this space when he becomes the main character he still manages to retain that so well again it's sort of a case i mean actually i was going to say there aren't that many other characters there are other characters mm. but a lot of them are really just not very 
fleshed out. So he just kind of stands there as sort of the one, the one character. Again, he he's probably one of the only characters you really could be best guy. There's no one else around there who's really capable of being a candidate. I don't know. There's the guy who comes in and tries to like solve every problem by shooting it. <laughs> yeah, he's a bit of a one. I feel like a a best guy candidate can't just be like a, a one episode <laughs> appearance they have to they have to have some kind of recurring presence yeah a true best guy for sure but yeah I, again it, it's hard it's more of this kind of intangible thing and with this compared to the the shonen characters because he's just he's just cool but he's also again he's got the two sides to him when he's just a when he's just at school or sort of planning out his heists because he does heists to steal jewels because he's Kaito Kid is like a phantom thief. Um, when he's just him being himself, being uh, Kuroba Kaito, he's just kind of goofy and silly. But when he becomes Kaito Kid, he like puts on his outfit and is suddenly this like incredibly cool, suave, yeah. ridiculously just smooth guy. And it's no wonder he's just got like hordes of fans all over the world who are just like Kito. That's probably a bit high pitched. I'm sorry. Kito called here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I I don't know. I've got much more to say on that. To be no, honest. he's just pretty cool, isn't he? Should we move on to our third comedy MC best guy? I don't know how much I have to say about. Well, I don't know which one you're talking about. Actually, are we talking about Sakamoto? I was going to go into Sakamoto from Sakamoto this guy. <laughs> Or haven't you heard? I'm Sakamoto. Where, again, uh, to be fair, there's quite a lot of ca- like male characters in that show. But mm. again, most of it is just the focus is just on Sakamoto. But interestingly, he's not like the point of view character. No, it's always kind of someone else observing Sakamoto. So mm. Sakamoto is basically he's just a I can't remember. He he's just basically the coolest high schooler. Again, we've talked about this. But not traditionally cool. Not traditionally cool. He's just really bizarre, and every time he just does something, you're just like, what, what are you doing? Why is this so... Again, everything he does is just in this... Somehow ends up being in this incredibly suave way. And the way they always do it is just like, oh, oh, he's he's going to screw up. He's Oh, no, wait, no, no, he didn't screw up. He no, pulled he, it out the bag. He's even cooler than we thought he was. Yeah. And that's just... Yeah, he's just a... Um, a so, really bizarrely cool character. Yeah, so I think all the characters that we talked about have ways of getting around that kind of exposure problem, as we've discussed. Um, whether it's having like sort of different tracks or modes mm. to their personality, or, or being kind of not the most prominent figure or whatever. But Sa- Sakamoto, compared to most of the other shows we talked about, Sakamoto Desuka was quite a short show. I think if there'd been a lot more of it he might have got more tiresome as a character. It was a short, short and sweet um, kind of exposure, so he didn't really have a chance to get overexposed and kind of overdo his, his thing. Maybe, Which but I mean, what... what I was kind of driving at is uh, because he's not like the point of view character and mm. because despite being the main character, he's still pretty mysterious mm. <laughs> and like he doesn't really have even many lines like in the entire thing. Yeah. Um... I think that's what allows him to retain a kind of best guy status. Yeah. Because I think, especially if he was kind of 
explaining what he was doing or cocky about what he was doing, then he'd become immediately insufferable. He he has a, a, a mystique where it's just like, what will he do next? And everyone around him is sort of in on this. They're just like, what the hell is this guy doing? We don't know. And the the audience is in the same boat. It's like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. And again, like, as with some of the other characters we've discussed, it's like the characters around him's reaction to him as a character is like part of what makes the show great or like what makes you respond positively to it. Mm. Yeah. So he, he, he makes everyone around him more interesting, mm. which is really just the essence of best guy. That natural magnetism mm. or something. Do you want to go? You, you've got some best guys that you wanted to mention from shows that I haven't seen. Yeah, and as such, I don't really like want to discuss them really in too much depth. Um, do, you want, do you want to list them off and sort of quickly explain why you think they're the the best guy? I can do. So interestingly, like why I mentioned it earlier, um, there's actually one that we skipped over on our list. It, it occurs oh, yes. to me, um, but the age thing, like. So when we were talking before, Kotetsu is obviously like an adult character. Yeah. Um, the one that we missed off, skull-faced bookseller Honda-san, <laughs> is mean, an adult character. Yeah. I, I don't know how much... I, 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 we've got that on our list. I wasn't sure how much I actually had to say about that, uh, um, having yeah. discussed everyone else. Skull-faced bookseller Honda-san is a great show, and you should watch it. And <laughs> yeah, there's, the, the main character is just pretty much the... He's the narrator. It's just everything. It's just basically about his life. Mm. So it's just it's just fun. That's what makes it. Um, but looking at my list now, I think yeah, four out of the five are also adult main characters. So mm. maybe there's a connection there, or that's some weird thing that I have. Um, it's because we are adults now. But I wasn't an adult when I watched all these shows. That's the it's thing. True. Tiger and Bunny. I was probably what like sixteen or something mm. when that first came out. Um, similarly, things like. Barakamon, uh, Cowboy Bebop, obviously a classic. Yeah. Um, Space Brothers, uh, interestingly enough, voiced by the same guy as Kotetsu, and I love everything that he's in, and he's fantastic. And you want to um, mention who they? Are you, do you say you can't remember the names of these characters? Hmm? Oh, I, I know the name. So, like Barakamon is also another Honda. Um, Cowboy Bebop. Some I I get annoyingly confused between Spike and Jet, but I think it's Spike is the main guy. Um, Space Brothers, uh, Muta, Namba Muta is, is the main main guy. Uh, he's got the afro. You've probably seen his pug, Apo, in lots of GIFs probably. on the internet because that's how this show has managed to seep its way into... Do you mean GIFs? <laughs> I mean whatever the hell you want to call them, um, which is just a fantastic show and not enough people have watched it. I just want to put that out there. Um, and also Usaki Drop, um, and I can't remember... Oh, Dice, Daisuke, Daisuke is the main guy. Um, another adult male. So, yeah, I don't want to discuss the shows too much because you haven't seen them and you really should because they're yes, great. Yes, I, I know. Um, but, yeah, just some more examples, really. So, it is a thing that can happen, but not very often because... So... If we go through like the list of all the things that we've watched, as I did earlier, like there it, were very it, few rare. examples. So, does does it make the show better when the main character is the best guy? Mm. I think it does. I mean, look, looking at the shows we've got here, they are probably some of my favourite shows. 
Yeah. I mean, likewise. I mean, Diamond Oasis obviously is like probably is my favorite show yeah. of all time. Tiger and Bunny is definitely up there. A lot of the, some of those others that I've listed are also some of my favorites. Um, that's not to say that shows can't be incredible without MC being best guy. Well, there, there's some shows where there's just there's not a definitive main character. Mm. So we were talking about Golden Camry earlier in our sort of pre-discussions for this, and we were saying who kind of is the main character in Golden Camry because it's sort of split between Ashipa and um, Immortal Sukimoto. So, I mean, Ashipa's probably like best girl in the best guy context of being best girl. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if Sukimoto's best guy, but he's probably It's contentious. Like, it's contentious, but because that sort of, because there's not a definitive main character it's hard to that 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 one falls into a bit more of a gray area so but still a great show yeah but still a great show but i think you know i'd say that those characters have a lot of the things that we would associate with best guy from what we've talked about here Mm. so i think having characters like that definitely drives a show forward and makes it sort of a lot better and having that show that character be the the sort of the central character of the show means that you've always kind of got a baseline solid character to fall back on even if everything else is kind of going to hell he's like i like this character yeah because it's something i've always said having watched um just going on something completely different on doctor who (laughs) going from the russell t davies days which was chris reckleston and some tenant uh, David Tennant to um, Matt Smith era with and um, Peter Capaldi with mm. the other guy. Yeah. His name I can't remember. Yeah. But you get the difference between having uh, Stephen Moffat. Stephen Moffat wrote lots of episodes before in the Russell T Davies era that were good but they always tended to use quite a lot of the characters that had been written by Russell T. Davies. Russell T. Davies wrote really good characters, but his scenarios were often kind of ridiculous. Whereas Stephen Moffat wrote pretty good scenarios, but his characters were rubbish. But good characters in, like, mediocre scenarios are still pretty, pretty fun to watch. Bad characters in good scenarios are not fun. So really... So much of what makes a show good to me is having that good character. And if you've got a good central character, that can really just raise up everything about a show. Mm. That's a good summary. And I I feel like we've made that point on the podcast previously as well. Probably. In a different I may have even brought up exactly that Doctor Who I don't thing. think you did the Doctor Who thing, though that was fun. <laughs> I mean, I've got to expand our science fiction horizons. People will think we're just all about anime. Ugh. Um, yeah. So I you're think, right. Have we have we wrapped up there? On Maybe can MC be best guys? The answer is yes. They can be, and it's a good thing. But it's it's rare. It's hard it re- to do. It's hard to do. It requires getting a lot of things right. I mean, if you asked me to just write something where the main character is the best guy, I would struggle mm. most likely. Yeah. Although I know exactly. Well, again, it, a lot of it's so much of it is just sort of an intangible. Yeah, it's not easy to put your finger on for sure. I just like yeah had a weird thought there, which is kind of like if you go, 
say to Tumblr, I know Tumblr's not exactly what it used to be, but like you go to Tumblr and you like look up a show and the kind of fan art and stuff that people are talking about and doing, like very rarely are the the moments and the characters that people latch onto the main character, I find. Well, but you do get a lot of people who do just latch onto the main character and you just have to think those people are probably just not very interesting people, really. <laughs> I don't know. That's it's the point like, we're trying to make. It's like if you're watching Naruto and your favourite character is Naruto, it's like... Actually, I haven't watched Naruto, so, so I can't really comment on this. Yeah, so, like, I I would argue the point. I mean, in part one, I would say that, yeah, I wouldn't pick Naruto as, as best guy at all. But I would allow him as an acceptable pick. Not my pick, but as an acceptable pick for Shippuden and like as the show progresses because okay. he, he he grows I'm trying to think of a shonen shirt I have actually seen like I don't know Ichigo and Bleach is like definitely not best guy like not ever that's just not going to happen mm. well, but anyway. people do love Ichigo don't they but people do but again you know you get these sort of side characters that people latch onto and mm. I just think that's great yeah sweet well, so possibly they, they, exhausted there our... you go that that was our, our talk about can main character be best guy according to ben and mike who like stuff that's a great name for the segment <laughs> it's um it spent a while thinking of it yeah well let's uh should, should we wrap things up i know i think we're through all of our topics of i think so and it's a lean like hour and a half whoa um who knows maybe in that case we'll be back sooner rather than later Probably by not. sooner we mean in five years and this podcast is uploaded we'll have like another seven episodes and backlog that you also haven't uploaded you should talk about more anime but you need to watch more anime we, to we talked that. about a lot of anime in like episode four we talked about so much of it that we never got around to putting timestamps on and because it's like three and a half hours long oh god if we talk it, this is the problem is we talk about so much anime that it's actually <laughs> just plugged up the whole system this is some uh, inside We've got anime stuff constipation. Right here. <laughs> Great. Uh, on that note, yeah, uh, we better leave. Okay. Uh, I've been Ben. I've been Mike. And uh, we like stuff. See you later. Is this how we finish? Yeah. Cool. Bye. <laughs>